Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I have with me, as always, my co-host, Grant McGalliard. Grant, it is SMU Game Week. How the hell are you, man? Parker, I am extremely excited. Uh, as I know you are, I know you're just you're a huge proponent of the Iron Skillet. I know this is the week that you you circle on the calendar every year before uh, before fall camp, before anything like that. So I know this just I mean I, I'm pumped. I know this must be a huge week for you. Honestly, the only thing that can make me more excited about this week, Grant, if this game was on Thursday night in the rain at <laughs> the high school stadium in Dallas, there. Um, no, here, here's the thing. We can talk about big picture stuff uh, off season. We can talk about scheduling and whether we should, whether we should continue and all that's on the table. It's game week, man. Let's beat yeah. the shit out of them. Let's, let's score 70. Yeah. I'm, I'm here. No, I'm invested. I, I would beat the hell out of them. And, and the thing is too, uh, I'll, I'll start the crap talk right now. I was watching game film from, uh, uh, the Louisiana tech game. That is such a high school stadium that it's unbelievable. Like we make the joke. It looks like a high school stadium. This is yeah. It, I mean, it really is. It's a big it's money small. program. It, it's it's a tiny, tiny stadium. It it doesn't look good. It is really nice, like the boxes and stuff. They but are, generally, but, it's yeah. it's bad. Um, yeah, the last time I was there was Memphis SMU. Man, 2017, maybe 18. Because mm-hmm. oh, because we were going to go for the um, maybe it was the fall of 19. Fall of 19 it was at TCU. Yeah, I was Fall there. Fall of eighteen, game. it was at SMU. That was the one. There was like a huge storm. We drove over there. We got drunk at the torches. It was raining. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to walk thirty minutes in the rain to go stay an hour and a half in the rain for a weather delay. We went back to my friend's house and uh, hung out there all night. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I was there for the 2000 and let me see if I get this right. Sixteen game. Yeah, even year. And I, I went up to the it was 33 to three. That was the final score. And I remember thinking like, wow, the boxes are so nice and the rest of the stadium is such crap. And it's in the middle of a top three nice area of Dallas. It's like, spend some money, upgrade this thing. If you were to be in a Power 5 conference, then I don't know, don't play in a stadium that is worse than what Allen plays in 30 minutes down the road. Yeah, yeah, it's not It's not often that, like Chad Morris definitely has better (laughs) better playing facilities. absolutely Which, to be fair, SMU's... Training and 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 weight room and stuff is awesome. Like it's it's very nice. Just the stadium's a little goofy. That's all. Sure. Uh, um, a lot of we, lot we of rabble rousing about the lot, game yeah. and a we we can a lot, lot of rabble rousing about the game. I saw a three star receiver who didn't get an offer from TCU was given a platform to talk about how uh, TCU skirted them last year. Which let me tell you. Um, is is certainly a take on uh, the global pandemic preventing <laughs> a sporting event from happening, but uh, you know whatever those guys need to get in the zone. I okay, you and I have different opinions on this. This is not a story. SMU beat us last time, us because I, I was actually on the sidelines. I was backup long sniper for that game, but SMU beat TCU last time they played. If the four string punter wants to talk crap, let him. I don't care. It's a rivalry. I'm there. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. That's totally, yeah, I'm there. Um, SMU did beat TCU in, in an infuriating game. Um, Grant, we had talked about the wild frog before. I think 2019 SMU was the official, uh, jumping of the shark of the wild frog meme. I think that was the end of the season. I think we knew that it was time for Sunny Company's professional relationship to end with TCU. And, uh, that is, that was a moment that forever changed me for better or for worse. I don't want to put you on the spot. Has there been a play call that has made you more angry? I'll say since, since you started writing about TCU football, has there been a play that has made you angrier? A play call? No. So, um, I believe maybe I have this wrong. 2018 Ohio State, Sean Robinson was asked to make a shovel pass yes. on his own, like three. Mm-hmm. And that one was like, you knew, you knew this wasn't going to go well. Um, but, but the, but the, the, the wild frog. So again, I like the argument of we can go for it against a team that were, they're way more talented than, um, I, if, if my options were wild frogger points, I think that running a one dimensional play that they know is coming with an offensive line that's getting beat, uh, was just absolutely, um, just unfathomable. Just a complete lack of grasp of the situation and of, um, yeah, what, what you're good at and all that. Yeah, that, that, that was, that was the play that made me become the Joker, I think. 
Yeah, I'm right there. That's that's the single worst play call. I'm a Houston Texans fan. I don't know if you saw what happened in the Texans last game when they essentially punted on third down. But uh, other than that, that's the play call that's maybe the angriest, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I can, I really can't imagine often a situation where it's like, I disagree and I think you're stupid or like, hey, you're in plus territory, you should go for it. But I like the idea of going for it. But the idea that you're like, the wild frog is what we need to do here. I just, man. It's something. It really was something. And thank you for bringing that up. This I got did, dark I, very I, I, quickly. I didn't even bring that up. Shoot. That was you. Hey, you did. You brought up the 2019 game. Uh, what? No, I didn't. You did. You said that's not a story. SMU beat TCU oh, in the 2019 okay. well, I guess game. That counts. Parker, you're driving the ship, and I'm mm. going to steer us just into happier territory before we analyze the Mustang. I'm not driving. <laughs> no, clearly. Jesus is taking the wheel. Um, let's talk about songs about Dallas real quick. Okay. I've got, I've got, a, I've got a couple here, I think. I, I, have, I have two that I will ride very hard for, but I, I will hear your list. Okay, let's talk about some standards, right? Right. Going through the big D, don't mean Dallas. Excellent. Bar none, just a great country music song. Uh, Alan Jackson, Dallas. Oh, how I wish Dallas was in Tennessee. If I could move Texas East, then she'd still be here with me. Excellent, right? Those are two standards. So that's where I'm starting out with is if we're talking about best songs about Dallas, those two have to be in the running. Okay, okay. I I see. I will see that and I will raise you Trey Lewis's Dick Down in Dallas. The delegate from the Democratic People's Republic of Stats War has no comment on this song. But let me tell you, it, I, I won't read any of the lyrics. Uh, put the kids to bed and listen to the song. It, it, it is very catchy. That's all I'm going to say. It is. It is very catchy. Um, another one that I would say if we're circling on towards closer like my actual pick does Fort Worth ever cross your mind? Uh, George Strait. Fun fact about George Strait that's actually not a fun fact. George Strait did not write a single one of his number one hits. George Strait is a performer. He is not a songwriter. Neither did Garth Brooks. It's kind of sad. Neither did Garth Brooks. Yeah, but you knew Garth Brooks is a performer. I thought George Strait was the real deal. I was naive. It makes me mad too. Well, if we're counting songs that are in Fort Worth and not Dallas. No, but it's about Dallas. Oh, you're right. We're going to get get technically tangential here for my picks. Yeah. Right, because I was going to say that I'm I'm putting in uh, Cody Jinx's Fast Hand. In which, uh, you know, I, I didn't mean to be a bad man. I, meant to be, uh, I just had a fast hand. He ended up in Fort Worth. No one knew him there. I was going to include that one because it's a classic. Band. Oh, but no, but but does Fort Worth ever cross You're your right, mind know, as I you know, left me here to be with him in Dallas? Know, okay, so it says just, Dallas. Just making sure. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, circle, I'll circle a little bit more. Another one. Um, uh, we're, we're getting into very good territory. So if you have any more meme ones, you could throw them at me before I get into the very good territory. You're going to think here. my pick is a meme and it's not, but that's fine. It, right, it is and it isn't. So, um, okay. Uh, Flatlanders, have you ever seen Dallas from a DC-9 yeah, at night? One. Is one of the that's best one. portrayals of, of just imagery, like examples of imagery in a country music song. Willin' by whoever you want to call it, uh, Little Feet or, or Grateful Dead, whoever the hell wrote it. But Willin' is a great song, um, which is, uh, I've been to Tucson to Tucumcari, to Hatchby to Tonopah, um, uh, every kind of rig that's ever been made, you know, I can quote the whole song, whatever. But uh, w- Willen's a great one because he's he's talking about getting back home to his Alice, Dallas Alice. Sure. And so that kind of anchors the song. Um, my second best pick then from that is uh, so DC9. Oh, no. And Willen. Yeah. Okay, I'm saving my last one. All right, okay. you tell well, me I was, yours. I was going to say, I was gonna, uh, shout out to Drake's 9 a.m. in Dallas. Parker. I couldn't even, I didn't even, yeah, I, know, I didn't even, I, 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 I couldn't know. hear it. Parker, the best song about Dallas is Pepper by the Butthole Surfers. Now, ignore the name of the Can I band. tell you, I have never listened to that song. You're lying to me. No, I'm straight straight right here. When I was in high school, we used to ride to high school in an H1 camo Hummer that my friend won in a drawing at HEB. I'm not making any of this up. And we would, it had a hell of a sound system. And we would listen to Pepper at full volume. They were all in love with dying. They were doing it in Texas. Uh... Uh, what's the line? Tommy played piano. Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact line, but anyway, but it's based in Dallas. It's based in Texas. That band went to Texas State, I'm pretty sure. And uh, matter of fact, I think the lead singer played basketball for Texas State. And uh, it's based in Dallas. It's a fantastic song. Ignore the name of the band. Don't 
endorse the Democratic People's Delicate whatever from Frog's War doesn't endorse. Not, I'm cutting that part out. God damn it, Parker. I stumbled. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to restart talking about Pepper. <laughs> Fucking hey. Well, okay, hold on. What are we? <laughs> I got to cut a rabbit hole. Ten fifteen. Okay. Uh, ten ten. Okay. I can't believe you've never heard that song. It's a fantastic song. We used to, used to listen to it on the way to high school. It's based in Dallas. It's based in Texas. I don't endorse the name of the band. I think the lead singer played basketball at Texas State. They're a Texas-based band. Uh, Pepper, fantastic song. Bob and Cats. Listen to it. Bob and Cats. It's based in Dallas. I count it. It's the best song about Dallas. Okay, honorable mention for me. I will listen to I will listen to that one song by the B Hole Servers just for you. Thank you. Um, honorable honorable mention is a song from my favorite album of all time, Old Number Ones by Guy Clark. Okay. Let it roll. Okay. Uh, because he falls in love with the Dallas whore. Let him roll. He falls in love with the Dallas whore, so that technically counts. But I think my favorite is Deep Ellum Blues. Uh, I know it from the Grateful Dead. A ton of people have done it. Levon Helm does a great version. Um, Adam Hood has a new song or has a song called New Deep Ellum Blues that kind of riffs off it. It's pretty great. Deep Ellum Blues. Once I had a girlfriend, she meant the world to me. She went to Deep Ellum. Now she ain't what she used to be. Once I knew a preacher, preached the Bible through and through. He went down to Deep Ellum and now his preaching days are through. Uh, it is just an excellent song. And so I'm, I'm saying that's my favorite Dallas song. Yeah, that's a fantastic. I'm not going to argue with you. That's a that's a fantastic. It's song. pretty good. It's hard it's, to beat. I know. It's, it's I, I played the trump card there, I, I, but it's it's hard to beat. But again, have you heard the B-hole surfers? I'm going to listen. I will give Twitter <laughs> my recommendation there. Um, okay, let's talk. Let's talk about SMU TCU. Um, SMU comes to town. They're playing at uh, 10 a.m. God's time, 11 a.m. Uh, Fort Worth time, and. Uh, it's, it's a little bit contentious. SMU technically has the skillet for those of you that care about the skillet. SMU hasn't beaten TCU since 2011. There was uh, some contentious calls there. My favorite memory about 2011 was an extremely drunk and extremely angry girl who, when SMU fans stormed the field after they beat a ranked TCU, was yelling at a cop at the TCU game, arrest them, they're on our field. And it was just hilarious, just amazing. Uh, just uh, an incredible moment in college football history for that girl to be yelling. If you are a girl, if you are listening to this podcast and if you are still single, uh, DM me for my phone number. You saw, yeah, we, you need to meet Grant. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so average, average margin of victory in this right. grant has not been close, yeah. um, at all. We've had double digit games, um, basically every year since 2011, uh, uh, obscuring the last one. And then before that, it's just, it's not close often. Um, it's, it's, it's often annoying, but it's not often close. Uh, and so again, I, I kind of expect the narrative to hold the same this weekend. SMU gets up for this game. This is the biggest game on their schedule because guess what? They're not going to the AAC championship. That just hasn't been happening. They're just, they're not good enough to do that, but they are good enough to get up for this game and to say, we're Dallas's team. And that means we're DFW's team and we're going to go over there and we're going to win a game. They do care a lot about it. I never want to be the guy that says, Oh, they care more, but this is a really, really big game for SMU. And as TCU's recruiting footprint, footprint has expanded and SMU's has kind of coalesced around DFW. It's become a bigger game for SMU because the players went to high school like Mr. Rice Reese whatever his name is that went to North Richmond Hills and didn't get an offer from TCU. He has a chip on his shoulder and, and that's awesome. That's cool. College football rules. Yeah. College football rules. And, and this, this is, I think one of the few examples of a P five team having a, I mean, pretty bitter rivalry. I mean, other than Baylor, this is, this is the second most times TCU has ever played an opponent. Um, I'm sure I could have phrased that better, more grammatically correct. But I mean, you think of, I think West Virginia Marshall uh, is a rivalry for that state. Uh, outside of that, I mean, there aren't many, P5, G5 rivalries I can think of. So uh, Jacksonville State, B- Florida. BYU, State, Utah. Yeah, Jacksonville State, Florida <laughs> State might be one now. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that one's a spit. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a don't talk to your that's don't talk to your relatives at Thanksgiving <laughs> right. over J, J State FSU, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, B- BYU, Utah. Utah, Utah State. But probably. BYU is kind of that weird yeah. limbo. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame plays Navy, but that's not a bit of rivalry. That's kind of right. like... It's tradition. It's not a rivalry. Life. I mean, it's... Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's a few and far between, we'll say. And, uh, you know, times have changed. Back in the 30s, this was 
one of the best rivalries in the country. I mean, Dan Jenkins has an incredible article, I think back when he was a student at TCU or certainly just after, about going to the TCU-SMU game and, and kind of what all that meant. If you look at all the old, you know, covers of all the old sports magazines, this might have been before Sports, sports Illustrated existed, there's pictures of TCU-SMU as playing, you know, one of the games of the century back in the day. So it, it has its history. It's lost and regained its luster based on how different programs are doing at the time. But SMU for a G5 program is certainly very good. TCU can be very good as a P5 program, can also not be good. When these two teams are peaking at the right time, it's really fun. And Fort Worth and Dallas certainly have their own city rivalries. Um, neither of us are from those cities, so I, I can't necessarily claim it. But but it, it, it has weight, and it's something we should uh, take into account when, when playing games like this. And also, speaking from a point of privilege, I don't want my team to lose to a G5 team. So that matters. No. That's, that is my preeminent concern in this rivalry. It is worth pointing out, uh, college football historians will appreciate, that two of the nation's most prestigious awards are named after uh, participants yep. in this game. Uh, Davey O'Brien, the quarterback award, and Doak Walker, the running back award. Uh, Davey O'Brien was at TCU, obviously. Doak Walker at SMU. Mm-hmm. So some fun college football history kind of wrapped up in this rivalry. Um, uh, SMU does feel like kind of the left out group of that TCU Baylor kind of love triangle situation because Baylor refuses to play teams that might beat them in the non-con. And so they and SMU haven't really played uh, much in, yeah. in, in recent yeah. history. So this, this is a game uh, before we start talking about specifics, Grant, give me your worry meter on one to 10. How worried are you about this game? Oh, uh, I, I think it might be inflated. Because it's a rivalry, if that makes sense. But but I'm at about a seven and a half to an eight. Yeah, I think I think I'm 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 about a six, which for me is you know pretty pretty high. Um, I don't know that I was this worried about this game in 2019. Although after this game in 2019, I started being real worried. Sure. I think there is not. This is the first year in TCU-SMU where SMU has an obvious advantage in a position group, which we'll talk about. And so that makes me pretty nervous. That makes me um, just a little bit nervous. Yeah, and I think we should define, too, like when TCU plays Oklahoma, I'm not nervous because I know how that game's going to go. We know. I've seen it yeah, before. we know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, the nervous is, I don't know how this is going to end. I really don't want to lose to this daggum team. I mean, if SMU, not to spoil a week from now, but if SMU is a seven and a half, Texas would be a nine, nine and a half, right? Because I want to beat the hell out of them. And also, I don't know how that's going to work. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's, it's this, this isn't, I think as good of an SMU team as they were in 2019, but they're still a pretty decent team and they have a lot of parts that can be explosive. Yeah. And so I think it's worth talking about the history um, just of SMU there and, and kind of where they are historically, so I'm going to vamp for a, a, an entire second because my Wi-Fi just freaking blew up. There we go. Great. Um, so collegefootballdata.com has a, a good SP plus team trend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like looking at this because it just gives me a good idea of like what a team has been like over their history. And so if you look at SMU, basically, you know, going into, um, you know, 1986, they were still positive and then they basically have been negative or right about zero every year until, um, 2020, they were, they were plus 9.2, 2019, they were plus 4.4. And this year they're sitting at plus 5.2. That's again, uh, points against an average team. So SMU's recent peaks have not been amazing, but TCU has kind of had these valleys that have coincided with SMU's peaks. So, uh, I don't think 2021 is, is, is SMU's best team by, by any stretch of the imagination recently. I think that 19 and 20 were both better, but this is a team that is going to be competent and has Frankly, two pieces that just terrify me um, on offense. So I don't know if you want to start on the offensive side of the ball. Or we can let that be a cliffhanger. But you, you you, pick. Where do we want to start talking about SMU? Well, you made a great transition, and I hate to ruin it. I just want to say one thing, and then I'll let you dive into the offense, hmm. we'll say, and, and get to those players. Uh, what I wanted to say is that um, Sonny Dykes is a good football coach. And more than being a good football coach, he has managed the roster very well in terms of picking up transfers where he can. Tanner Mordecai and Grant Calcantara, both from Oklahoma. Um, 
And he's done a good job of sort of building that program. And moreover, the athletic department has built a great identity of being Dallas's team. They have those cool uniforms. I ain't going to lie. They're awesome with the Dallas skyline and the D logo and everything. It's a so great strategy. It's really great. And they've managed that program extremely well because they weren't good as of a decade ago. And now they're, they're, they're pretty decent. I mean, you know, they're a good G5 team and they, they – they would be out of place at, at the mid to lower tier of, of a lot of P5 conferences. So I, I, all, all I wanted to comment on was that I think the program is very well managed for what it is. Absolutely. And um, Grant, frankly, that only gets better for me seeing Rhett Lashley go to Miami and seeing what he's been able to do on the P5 stage yeah. kind of in an environment that is not as conducive and uh, to success and maybe not as well managed. Sure. Um, I think about things like um, Sonny, Sonny Dykes went to Rice and got Kylan Granson as a tight end and yeah. said, hey, they're going to run the ball. Come here. Kylan Granson on an NFL roster right now is tight end. Yeah. Like, I, I think I think obviously he kind of shriveled up in the Pac-12. There's there's a lot of reasons there. I would shrivel up if I were coaching a team yeah. uh, anywhere. And so I don't – you know, I, I like Sonny Dykes. I think that he is a good program manager. I think that he does a good job of – being a head coach in that he trusts people to do the job that he hires them for yep. uh, and sets them up for success. So, so I like that. I like, I like Sonny Dykes aside from him playing TCU one, one time a year or whatever. I mean, he came to TCU and was an offensive analyst and helped them a lot. I think yeah. um, he, he, nothing, nothing but positive things to be about Sonny Dykes. I like him a lot more than I like Chad Moe. So again, Chad Moe uh, won a championship at, Bay City, so I will refrain from comment. Um, Parker, let's talk about the offense. Okay, let's talk about this offense. So I have SMU's offense at 31st in the nation, 0.145 EPA per play. I have them 15th in the pass, 0.330 EPA per pass, and 82nd in the rush. They aren't really um, rushing very often, Grant. They are 22nd overall in early downs rush rate, 42.9%. Grant, SMU has kind of run the air raid before. They they are they are running yeah. the air raid. Wow. I was watching that Louisiana Tech game. They're spreading they're spreading them out, and they're saying if you if you don't give us a light box, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take advantage of that that yeah. that like Grant Calcaterra stick route we saw so often. So um, they they are um, in terms of points per drive, fortieth in net points per drive, uh, quality possessions seventeenth uh, at echo rate. Grant, so they're getting quality possessions at a fifty nine point three percent clip. They're only finishing them four point three one points per per quality possession. That's forty eighth in the nation. Uh, but still, they're creating a lot of opportunity. They're capitalizing. This pass game is is lethal, frankly. Yeah, it's really good, and that's because there are three guys, and and you can maybe argue fourth if you if you depending on kind of what your your feelings are about. Uh, uh, I think I would say four, but yeah, I want to hear who four, your three so are. I was, yeah. was going to say Mordecai uh, and and Reggie Roberson, uh, and then I was going to count Bentley as a running back in terms of just you know the offense. But uh, Danny Gray at wide receiver has also been been a, a standout. So those four guys I think are, are major weapons. I agree. I think, I think, and, uh, Gray is good and I don't mean to demean him by any, any stretch of the imagination, but I, I, I think I was going to say Calcaterra for what TCU is going to run is yes. going to be profoundly no. annoying. Yes. Um, and so Gray leads the team in targets. Um, but Calcaterra, ha, ha, you know, is close to that and has a higher yards per reception. Obviously they're used differently. Um, and so I, I, I think that they have a staple of four guys, you know, include Rashi Rice for all the memes sure. about um, whatever that, that is. Like he's competent, seven, 17 targets, 12.2 yards per reception. They, they have four legitimate guys and they could put Bentley out there at yeah. wide receiver. Um, he's got, he's got six catches and, you know, 5.5. He's, he's picking up garbage there. So I think that they're extremely multiple on offense. I am too. And I, and I should qualify what I said earlier. Gray has sort of been the workhorse. Um, I mean, obviously he leads the team and catches, as you said, but here's my deal and not to get too into the weeds. What worries me about Gray? Let's just get right into it, Parker. You know, we said we were going to do this before this podcast. There's a graping hole on TCU's defense, and it has to be addressed. And I'm worried that SMU will— Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm worried that SMU will exploit it. So so here we go. So Gray, Danny Gray, is 6'2", 199, okay? And he's SMU's second wide receiver behind Reggie Roberson. 
TCU's second cornerback. He wears number nine. We're going to call him number nine. He's 5'11", 166. He's not good. Okay, he's straight up not good at playing the position of cornerback. So TCU's going to shift their coverage. They're going to, okay, worry about Roberson, right? Over the middle, you have to worry about Kakatera on the stick route. you got a linebacker on and probably a safety to help out the linebacker because I don't really trust either Hodge or uh, Winters in pass coverage, to be honest with you. And that might leave number nine out there on single coverage on Dana Gray. That's that's what worries me. Yeah, so the way that um, the way that this matchup works, I'm going to kind of rehash what you did, but no, I, no, I, I agree with you in that picture. I'm painting say it from it, my say mind. It smarter. Please. But so if we go if we go inside out, we have a linebacker on Calcaterra who's spread out at the Y. We have the safety that's going to help the linebacker on Calcaterra. We have the 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 weak safety, the free safety. I can't even keep up the I I I, I call him the dollar sign. Yeah. Kendrick Van Zant is going to be on the slot receiver, the faster guy, not Calcaterra. Uh, and then that leaves you three guys on two receivers, mm-hmm. right? That's THT on on Roberson probably. I don't know that they'll flip back and forth. That'll depend on boundary and field. Yeah, THT is a little bit more of a field corner because he yeah. can cover some more space, a little more rangy. And so that puts number nine on the boundary against a receiver who physically outmatches him. THT got beaten over the top against Cal because, one, he got beat. He didn't turn his hips. Yep. That's fine. I'll admit that. But also because his backup had to go help the other guy. Yeah. Um, and, and if you couple that with the fact that, 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 that TJ Carter is new to the system and has allegedly been having a little bit of trouble kind of figuring things out, playing safety instead of cornerback, that only is compounded by the fact that he knows that there is this gaping hole here. And so the entire safety rotation is effed. So the issues there are not only that number nine is by himself and Carter's going to have to sell out to, to kind of cover that over the top. You get THC with less margin for error. You get LeKendrick Van Zant with no margin for error, and you get a linebacker who allegedly cannot doesn't know the plays because they can't decide who to start. Who has to play Grant Calcaterra? Who would be starting at Oklahoma if it weren't for some concussions? Like, right. th- this this gets dark very <laughs> gets dark. very quickly. And, and, and here's here's listen. I, I don't want to go down this dark rabbit hole, but but since this is a natural transition, here's what worries me. This this might be solved if TCU had some semblance of a pass rush. And I don't necessarily trust SMU's offensive line. I, I don't think they're that great. Uh, you can look at it both run and pass. Bentley has kind of pretty much had to do everything himself in the rushing game. He doesn't get any help up front. But in the passing game, you know, uh, Jalen Thomas is a pretty good pass blocker at tackle, but he's been shifted around because they're trying to figure out what their lineup is on the offensive line. If you look, I think only their center has played one position the entire time. Um, uh, Alan Ali, I think, center. Uh, so, so Jalen Thomas is a decent pass blocker, but besides that, TCU has an opportunity to disrupt the passing game. The only way I think they can stop this car crash disaster from happening where Sonny Dykes calls, hey, Mordecai, throw it to uh, Danny Gray every single time, is if they get pressure. I think that's the only thing yeah, to say. Yeah, I, I, I agree, and, and, and I'll, I'll kind of talk through some things that you said there. So Ulysses Bentley in the run game, 5.7 yards after contact per attempt, 8 yards per attempt total. Grant, that means he's getting two, excuse me, 2.25 yards before contact against Louisiana Tech and North Texas and Abilene. Yeah. That's bad. Can I tell you, That's very bad. I'm going to give you a compliment to Ulysses Bentley. One out of every five attempts is more than 10 yards. Six, oh, six out of thirty-two. So just that was the other thing I was gonna. Yeah, like he's, he, he's the good. other thing I was gonna point out. Like, if you give him space, if you miss a tackle, he'll pop it off. Fifteen missed tackles on thirty-two attempts. <laughs> Again, very bad competition, right? right? right. Like, but, so I'm. Not, I, I. That's only potential. I'm not worried about stats. I'm just worried about potential there. Um, and so I think that Bentley in the run game. I need Bethley to be Corey Bethley. Yes. Um, and I need somebody. To be a body on the other side of that. That's so. Um, I, I I'm so frustrated, Grant. Like you get this transfer who started at UCF and he comes in and he can't play for TCU. I know. I, I don't get why this happens so many times. Is TCU that bad at pulling transfers that they just pick a guy who sucks, or can they just not integrate people into this defensive system? But like, it seems crazy. That's Kenny Turnier is not that second defensive tackle just wreaking havoc. So 
what I'm going to say is, is not... Talk for a second. I'm going to see if Kenny Turnier played against SMU last year. Please do. And, and the point I'm going to make is, is, is not to demean the position of defensive tackle. But at some point, regardless of scheme, if you're on the line and you just beat the guy that's blocking you, I'm not saying that's easy. I'm saying at some point it comes down to, can you beat the guy that's in front of you? And if Kenny Turnier or whoever is playing opposite of Coy Bethley, which has been a rotating, revolving door, it, they're just not beating the guys in front of him. You look at the depth chart, Parker. Terrell Cooper is listed at third on the depth chart. He started last game. The depth chart doesn't make any sense, and we that's a whole other issue. But it, they can't find a um, person to play. I'm going to diplomatically say that there has been no depth chart released. Um, For the last five somebody's years, probably? Well, there was a depth chart released for week one, as is required. Uh, somebody um, gets paid for clicks. Legitimately? Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, all I'm saying Editor's is, discretion if you want to leave that in or cut right, that out. No, no, I don't no, care. No, I, no, I, I'll no, say no. it's space. It's, it's, but. it's, it's fine. Um, did Turnier play? Okay, but, but no. So TCU needs a hate-in-the-ass interior defensive tackle. How do we not have somebody who's like, I hate you. I hate you and hate you. And I'm gonna just I'm just gonna ruin what you're trying to do. We had one two years ago. Ross Blacklock hated you, people. Ross Blacklock was very good. And nope, there's no there's no hate and ass defensive tackle. And that that really is kind of the linchpin because then the linebackers are worried about covering for the rush. They get sucked in on coverage. You can double team the ends. You can do all sorts of pressures to to worry about the stunts. And and you get no pass rush. And then you get people on an island in the secondary. And it just like Chase Garbers had all day, Grant, all day to sit there and stand back. And Chase Garbers can throw a pass that beats THT if he has nine seconds to throw the ball. That The defensive line has to bind itself. Yeah, it does. Otherwise, TC is going to get exposed on the back end straight up. Because Mordecai is good. Because, because SMU is going – they're yeah. going to take that five or six yard underneath every time until they sync up and then they're going to go over. And if you can't get pressure, dude – I'm good. Yeah. If you guys want to play, not you guys, sorry, the Royal you, if, if y'all want to play number nine versus Reggie Roberson or Danny Gray, uh, as a lottery pick, I'm, I'm not buying a ticket for that. Like, no. yeah, no, that, that, that to me, Parker is the single biggest, not matchup, but the single biggest issue of this game is dead gummit. You got my blood pressure. I know. Up, right? And I didn't mean to. <laughs> It's SMU week, Parker. You should care. Uh, it, it's it's the fact of the matter is everything is going to revolve until the death chart changes. Everything is going to revolve around can we scheme around number nine, or can we make up? It, it really or, or, or until can we make up for number nine's deficiencies in other areas. Until that, those holes are convincingly filled. Um, that's going to be an issue. The The other thing that I think is really important to note about Mordecai is that 22% of his attempts or completions have come kind of in that box, right? Yeah. That um, in between the numbers, in between the, the line of scrimmage in 10 yards and 28% of his yards. Grant, they're just taking it. They're running that kind of mesh and set. And so you, you watched, you saw this. I'm yeah. explaining this to the hypothetical idiot who's out there. Shout out to... Um, to F. Aaron, who used to be the burrito guy and changed his name because he's lame. Uh, but uh, it, it, they, they run mesh, right? And they cross and then they sit and they just mm-hmm. wait. And there's a play, like the second play against Louisiana Tech. There's two SMU guys just kind of hands on their hips, like whatever. Oh, yeah, I'll take the ball. That's fine. Yeah. And if, if you sell out to take the lockdown on – you know, if you sell out to lock down the deep threat, which I think TC will do at the start, SMU is going to beat you underneath if you can't get pressure. Um, Mordecai this season has 2.62 time to throw. Um, when he's under pressure, he's holding it for 3.45. So like on the longer plays, but honestly, when he's not pressured, 2.35 seconds, like 2.5 is kind of the standard for that's how long you need to block. He's getting the ball out relatively quickly. They're taking their they're taking their wins, which is I mean a great yeah. offensive philosophy. I really admire it. But if TCU can't can't get disruption up front and they're isolated on the corners, it might get pointy. It's going to get very pointy. Um, do you have anything else to say about the offense? Because I, I think it's a good transition to the defense. Yes, my my Please, last question ahead. before yeah, we yeah. go to the defense. Um, 
if TJ Carter rotates over to corner yeah. and plays corner for his first game of the four two five, does your worriness your worried level change? Uh well it, Sorry, I'm stuttering here. If there are variables, I mean, I, I think if if TJ Carter is con- more comfortable playing corner in this defense, I'm less worried because I I, I think Bud Clark, for example, would, would probably take that that role that um, that Carter's playing, and I I trust him more than yeah. I do number nine in any role on the defense. So, if you think about marginal value and drop off and everything, yeah, it just makes a lot more sense to to generally. Um, to do that, yeah, I, I think having your best players on the field is a good strategy. Yeah, let me let me let me peruse my offensive stats just to see if there's anything else I'm, I want to highlight. Um, important to note, SMU is actually pretty bad on on third downs, thirty seven point nine on third and fourth downs uh, extension, but they are seventh in the nation on getting first downs and first and second downs. So they just don't see third down that often. TCU, pretty good at locking down third down, but if SMU can't see that, um, if SMU doesn't see third downs, that's going to be a problem. The key matchup here for me on offense, Grant, SMU, fourth in early downs EPA at 0.281. TCU is 123rd in early downs EPA at 0.311. TCU has to deny first and second down. They've got to deny the shot. They've got to deny the, the simple completion. They have to figure it out. Um, cause that is just going to be that, that's going to be where the game is won is does SMU have to face third downs? If TCU can get SMU into third downs, I think that they'll, they'll have a positive script because it'll come to physicality in the trenches. It'll be a little more predictable, but if TCU can't stop the early down stuff, man, this could be ugly. Yeah. And that's what worries me because SMU can run that mesh or, or run stick or whatever and get six yards yep. pretty easy on any down and put themselves in favorable. Also, is is Mordecai is Tanner Mordecai a little footy? Like, what do you mean? I mean, I I think he can run a little. He's not, <laughs> a little bit. I, uh, I, had, Mord- I had this down. He's not, I don't. I wouldn't call him a threat, but I think he's mobile. Like I, if you if you if you don't think about him, yeah, yeah. If you don't think about him, I bet Tanner Mordecai would beat uh, Chase Garbers in a foot race. Yes, that's what and I bet. Garbers ran against us, so it's not great. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let the reader understand. Okay, take me to take me to the defense. Well, what, I, what, I, what, I, what I wanted to say was that I had something uh, optimistic. Okay. I'm How dare you? There because what podcast can, is this? Can, can you can you pause your audacity recording? I had to take dipshit out here. It's impossible. Yeah, totally fine. So here's here's kind of where I'm at, Parker. Is that not only are TCU's corners vulnerable, so are SMU's. Okay, indeed, you, indeed defenses, they are. Yeah, I think both defenses kind of suffer from the same problem. So, especially, I'm, I'm going to name two guys by name here. Jar, uh, Jahari Rogers has allowed 10 receptions on 16 targets. And Parker, Armani Johnson, who's kind of the third guy, has given up eight catches on 11 targets, including two touchdowns with an average of 16 yards per catch. That's not good. No, 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 it's not. Um, and if you look at... Um, yeah, Grant, they have five pass breakups on like 62 targets. Um, yeah, it's not great. No, no. Yeah, that's, that's just very bad. Um, so something I like to look at, Grant, especially when looking at the um, kind of like the, the guys who have been most targeted. So Jahari Rogers is their most targeted guy. It's always bad when a cornerback is, is one of your most targeted defenders um, because that means that he's not covering the guy like – that means that his guy is open. That's yeah. bad. Ideally, yeah. your cornerback has fewer targets, and it's like your linebacker who's getting picked on with a check down or something. But so his A dot, um, oh, why don't I not have this right here? I thought I had this right here. This is great podcasting. I better find it before you. His yard, he, he's allowed 40, yeah, 42 yeah. yards after catch is what I wanted. That's, that's, that's what I ultimately wanted. So, um, on, on, 10 receptions, that means 4.2 yards. Six, 12, 12, 14 yards down the field, the ball is getting caught and they're getting four more yards. Grant, you know who's the yards after catch man? You know who, you know who invented yards after catch? Quentin Johnson. Is it Quentin 40, Johnson? Yeah. 48% of Quentin Johnson's uh, yards have come after the catch. The dude just politely says like, I'm not getting tackled right now. Thank you. 
Um, and so I think that is going to be a huge mismatch. Whoever they try to get to cover him, I think that missed tackles and yards after the catch are going to be the big issue here, especially if TCU is doing what they should on offense, because that means they're getting Max Duggan easy, completable throws that complement the run game. And they're able to kind of break break something big like that. Because again, Savion is huge. Quentin Johnson's huge. And then you have Tay and Darius and all these guys underneath who are so fast. And Blair Conright, I feel like I'm not respecting him enough. Blair Conright, who, um, you know, just all these guys who are like, hey, I can get the ball in space and, and do pretty well. SMU was not great at, at yards after contact. 437 total on the season in three games. One of those against an FCS school. That 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 passing secondary is definitely a weakness. It's a major weakness, and and you kind of alluded to. I think really my concern for TCU on offense in this game is I think they, they might be. I don't want to use the term spoiled for choice, but I think they have options. And what I'm worried about is that they'll lean to the safe option because I think Evans can have success in the run game. Um, SMU's defensive line is not what I would call inspiring. Uh, Nelson Paul is a good pass rusher. Besides that. And, he, and he, he's kind of a specialty guy for third downs. Besides that, Parker, they don't do much up front. I think Evans can find room, as can, you know, uh, DeMarcado or Miller, whoever they put back there, but mostly, hopefully, Zach Evans. Yeah. There's the, the room one, for success oh. in the passing game. It, it's, no, I was going to say, was, that was my last sentence. I was going to say, there's room for success in the passing game. My problem is that there's also room for success in the run game, and I'm worried they're going to for, forego one to choose the other. I think that TCU could easily run over SMU in the most boring, like, 28-3 to win ever that lasted, you know, two and a half hours. Again, this is kind of like Kansas State in 2019, where if if you can't get the pass going against the secondary, you're not beating Oklahoma, right? Like, yeah, yeah. That's not happening. This is my, look, this is my greatest moment of my career. Um, Talking about that Kansas State game in 2019 and saying, if this isn't the Max Duggan passing laboratory, TCU's not going to bowl. And they did it because they couldn't get him going. And this, I'm not, I'm not staking my exact claim on this because TCU's way more talented this year than they were in 2019. But generally, it's kind of an if not now, when? If you can't right. figure out what kind of passing offense you want to have, Grant, I'm setting aside normative concerns of what the offense should be. I'm saying you pick. Again, I talked about it a couple weeks ago. Ryan Gosling in the rain looking at McAdams. What do you want? Just pick what passing yeah. offense you want. And if you can't figure that out this week and do it well, yikes, man. SMU is uh, 70th in EPA per uh, rush at 0.015. They are 72nd in EPA per pass, 0.104. Look at their quality of competition. Uh, that should instill... Uh, fear in your in your hearts for SMU um, on early downs. Grant ninety first in EPA zero point zero nine zero. They are letting people move the ball early and often. And if TCU takes the easy way out and lets Zach Evans just run all over them and doesn't figure out the passing offense, they'll probably win. But uh, it'll be a little bit of a uh, pyrrhic victory because they will still yet again have refused to develop the passing offense. The one stat I circled, Grant, in the rushing column was uh, if you look at uh, the missed tackles, uh, Chase Cromartie, the safety, has four missed tackles. And let me tell you, that is the dude who's going to be stepping up in the hole trying to tackle Zach Evans, and that is not going to go well. Well, it's Cromartie or, and we should say the name Trevor Denbo, who I think is sort of their jack-of-all-trades guy. He'd be the equivalent, I think, of LeKendrick Van Sant in that defense. Um, they they, they run a three-down tight front, but yes. Right. I, sorry, I just meant that kind of... No, yeah, yeah. well, no, he, I'm a dick. A I'm a dick. Leave, this, leave all this in. I'm publicly apologizing. I just wanted you to know, Grant, that I had watched the film and deciphered that they ran a 3-3 instead of a 4-2. And I just, I just felt like it was important for my uh, internal validation that you knew that I knew that. And so I just interjected that in a way. And it looked like I was correcting you. And really, I was just trying to prove that I was smart. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. All I would say was that in that five, <laughs> if it's 4-2 or 3-3, three, three, he's the five. He's one of the five that will kind of play all over the field. So he might also step up and play that role. He's, he's Absolutely. Mid. I mean, he's made some good plays. He's He hasn't made some plays. But I would you're going to hear his name called a lot. That's all I will say. Uh, Absolutely. Watch, if you will. Somebody who's been particularly slippery is Kendry Miller, which is interesting. So yeah. Evans has six six missed tackles in 27 attempts. Kendry Miller has seven in 12. 
And granted, a lot of those came in that drive where they just gave the Kendra Miller the ball five times against Duquesne and let him score. But good players make bad players miss tackles. So um, that's been that's been refreshing how for many, sure. How many carries does Evans have? 27? 27 attempts. That's it? 217 yards, 8 yards per attempt, 4.3 yards after contact. Kendra Miller has 5.08 yards after contact. So, again, honestly, there's a world where I'm like, look, if all you care about is just getting to a certain number of absolute wins over the next two to three years, you being a capital Y, you let the reader understand. No, no. Just run the I. Run the eye formation. Put Carter Ware as the real, for, real fullback and let Kendrick Miller and Zach Evans just run over this defense. Run the effing triple. Jesus Christ. Okay, what are we doing? Okay. Um. All right. So so we talk about the we talk about the SMU 2019 making me become the Joker. But the 2018 season with Sean Robinson, where TCU just had no idea what to do with Sean Robinson and no, then he got none hurt. Whatsoever. Yeah. I coined the term frog bone because there's the offense that's the flex bone. And Navy kind of runs it, but it's like the triple option from the gun and basically just went to that infuriating Iowa State game in 2018 that TCU had no business losing. Texas Tech game that TCU had no business losing None. and saying like, the defense knows what you're doing. You need a wrinkle. If this is the kind of offense that you want, you have to have a third wrinkle. Now, I believe that should be kind of the glance RPO. Um Yeah. And that you should incorporate Quentin Johnson into that. But back then, I was like, look, man, you have Darius and Shaywo and Sean Robinson. Those are three of the best running backs in the Big 12. Let's just do this thing. Let's do, run the inverted veer a hundred times. I don't care. I think, there's a, I think there's a Frogs War article. If you Google Frogs War Flexbone, you'll get like a restricted content message. But if you click it, it's, <laughs> it's film, I promise. There is, there is a Madden player. I don't follow competitive Madden, but I know there's a Madden player who won like the Madden world title by never passing. He only ran. Video I games, it works, man. Backfield, but, right, but but you, there's a world where TCU succeeds in that. Anyway, okay, anything else about SMU? I will say one thing real quick about SMU special teams, and then you can add your final point. They uh, six, I was going to point that out. They have a 6-7 punter. Uh, Brendan Hall is his name. So I covered him for all of four months when I was the editor of the Springtown News, or Springtown Epigraph and the Azel News, he played at Springtown, which is a Texas high school football dynasty, uh, about an hour southwest of Fort Worth. Uh, really nice kid. Guy absolutely launches the ball. So, something to watch. Was the basketball coach at Springtown dead or something? I Yeah, they weren't good at basketball. But their, <laughs> <laughs> their football program was insane. Um yeah, so the thing I was going to point out is they're, they're 11th overall in net field position at 7.81. On offense, they're starting on average at the 34.1. And on defense, they're allowing teams to start on average at the 26.3, just barely better than a touchback. And so in a recent series that has been largely dictated by nonsense, TCU would do well to lock special teams down, kick it out of the back of the end zone every time. Yeah. Uh, take take the touchback and uh, and just kind of say special teams field position is not going to be a um, a factor. TCU has been. Um, I'm looking at this. This isn't right. the The play by play data is still pretty bad. And and TCU Duquesne is a game I flagged. I have TCU at at, at 125th uh, overall. I don't I don't think that's correct in uh, in field position. So I'm going to retract anything I say about TCU's field position. SMU's is correct though. Um, so again. Special teams, you just don't want it to be a factor, right? When you're the obviously more talented team, you want to say, this doesn't matter. I'm not involved in this. Um, I'm going to do a quick tour. While you took Max Doggin out to pee, I just tweeted and said, uh, hey, Grant had to take Max Doggin out to pee. Are there any mid, mid-podcast mid Q&A? And I, I want to reward our viewers or listeners with engagement. So one Scott Wildcat, who neither you or I like at all and is generally a bad guy, asks, K-State, best team in the Big 12? <laughs> K-State, best team in the Big 12 or best team in the nation? Um, and I'm going to say C, neither. Uh, C, neither, but I will say maybe at this point top three in the Big 12? I, yeah, dude. I mean. Yeah, I think they might be. You start talking about the transitive property and you look at Nevada and Cal and TCU and you're like, well, I don't know, man. Um, their defense is surprisingly stout. We'll, we'll talk about them more this season. Uh, Mason Treen says, say something nice about 2017 Kenny Hill. And all I'm going to say is, um, 
clearly you're unfamiliar with my work if you're getting me on demand to say nice things about Kenny Hill, because all I do is say how one Kenny Hill probably had a vision problem and needed contacts. And two, Kenny Hill was underutilized. Kenny Hill, also a great quarterback coach. Our quarterback coach. Um, Our quarterback yeah. coach. Okay, before we run off the rails, um, we've talked about SMU offense, defense, special teams. Uh, let's do some predictions. Before we do that, Grant, would you like to hear from our listeners about some predictions? Uh, I would love to, Parker. Nothing would make me happier. I'm going to read them off and have you laugh at them. Uh, and I think that'll be that'll be good. Uh, I'm only reading serious ones. Colin Post says 35-14 TCU. Duggan throws for 300 yards. Quentin Johnston has his first 100-yard game of the season. Um, I think the QJ part is likely. The first part isn't uh, as far as Duggan, but I hope you're right about the 35-14. If Quentin Johnston has 100 yards this 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 weekend, it'll 100% be because like on TCU's own four, they throw an out to him, and the SMU quarterback falls down and dies, and QJ just runs. Completely possible, for the record. Um, uh, JD Sailors, shout out. He's helped me with some data stuff. Um, uh, TCU's 9-6 to final in overtime. I'm going to send that right back to the pit of hell. Um, Christ, that ruined my night. My God. Ruth Ann Douglas. God bless you, Ruth Ann Douglas at Rad Frogs. Frogs by uh, 90. Frogs by Frogs 90. Frogs by 90. Listen. Uh, J- I, I will, let me tell you, this game kicks off at 11 a.m. At 1045, I'm going to be full Frogs by 90 mode. You have my word. This is rough for me because, well, I said 10 God's time. I'm in mountain time. I got to be careful this weekend, man. Um, J.D. Moore says, this is a good one. This is probably the best one. J.D. Moore says, in a baffling decision for all, Sonny Cumbie is somehow once again dragged out to do a press conference (laughs) explaining why the offense didn't score 42 points. (laughs) Oh, he will. Um, J.D. Because SMU allows allows access to its coordinators. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, J.D., that's funny as shit. Good job. Matt Kofelt (laughs) says... Uh, my prediction is that I'm forced to start drinking five minutes after the kickoff, a.k.a. 9 a.m. local. Um, Join me. Uh, Zane says 34-24 SMU. Tanner McCore, Mordecai has a rushing touchdown, which I hate that. Uh, George J something, 42-24. to Evans rushes for 150 and Duggins adds another 100 on the ground. Let me tell you, if Evans and Duggan combine for 250 yards rushing and TCU only wins 42-24, to I will be astounded. Something's gone wrong. However, I would like to see – this is the offense we just talked about. It's possible. Mm-hmm. Shout out Ed Gorbs, 38-27 Frogs. Uh, shout out LG Cody Kills, whatever the hell that is, 71-3. to I don't even know. He didn't pick a team. <laughs> Good. Um, Let's run out of fireworks. Screw him. The best one here is Taylor Smith at Bad Bill Fishing. TCU 35, SMU 27, but it doesn't feel that close. That's like the worst kind of game. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Of all of these, that is the most likely outcome. I hate it. I hate it so much. Um... Okay, let's do a little uh, best case, worst case uh, for our game this weekend, okay. and then let's do a little predictions. What are we doing at time? I know this is great podcasting. We, oh, we're yeah, golden is, to do. Yeah, this is great podcast. We're golden to yeah, do Big 12 after this. That's great. All yeah, right, let's yeah, do a little best case, yeah. worst case scenario. Grant, best case scenario this weekend for you. Uh, best case scenario is that TJ Carter starts a cornerback that CCU finds some sort of pass rush on the front line. They only had one sack so far this season. It's not great. Although, uh, per our, your friend and mine, Drew Davison, TCU's not worried about that. Uh, I, I would beg to differ because I am TCU. But best case scenario is that TCU finds pass rush, finds uh, some sort of alignment on the back end that stops or limits Mordecai, and they let the offense cook, and TCU wins, let's call it 38 to 13. 38 to 13? Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna do something similar and say Kari Coleman's injury is not that bad, and he starts, and he actually is the monster that we were told he was last year. Yeah. Um, and 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 again, honestly, the you know filtering the cynicism out of that, if TCU has two legitimate pass rushing threats and two guys who can play contain, because um, I think O'Shawn is a very good pass rusher, but he's also a very good contain guy, 
And so if he can play Katane more often and, uh, and Coleman can play pass rush, I think bother Mordecai. I think that they can say, you know what? Uh, whoever's playing linebacker two, who somebody wins the job for linebacker two this year, uh, this week, right? And I think that that those two things coming together mean that the defense denies SMU the easy option, and they have to go deep. And 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 TJ Carter is able to kind of carry the secondary back there. I think the SMU scores in TCU's best case scenario. I think the SMU scores a stupid touchdown but then is stuck with field goals because they're really bad on third downs and they really just can't get anywhere once they get that big play. So I I expect SMU to get a lot of big plays, but I don't expect them to convert those into touchdowns very often. So give me something weird. Give me uh, a touchdown on three field goals is 16. So give me TCU best case scenario, uh, 28, 31, 16, I think is where I'm going a little, a little lower. Okay. Okay. They scored 32 points against Cal. Cal's really bad. Or 34, but yeah. Cal's a better defense than SMU does, but anyway. Um, Yeah. Okay. I'll go worst case. Uh, Worst case would be, I mean, Mordecai runs rampant, Roberson runs rampant, Gray runs rampant, and TCU tries to make it up on the ground and doesn't trust Duggan, and this ends up 38-33 to SMU. Yeah, if you remember in 2019, uh, SMU outscored TCU 18 to 7. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um, they had plays of, uh, in the first quarter, plays of 46, 35, and what was the third one that was really, and the TCU fumbled and, and, and just absolute yeah. disaster. I, I was, so, I was in the end zone on those stands. It was a hundred degrees. My whole family was there and we left after halftime because it was miserable. Yeah, I was I was wearing uh I this is my fault. Honestly, Frog Family 2019 was my fault. I was in the club and I was wearing khaki shorts and a white Oxford button down because it was a whiteout game and that was on me. Honestly, I induced it. I made the world happen. Um yeah, so so I think that SMU gets a big play and a score and then a stupid score, whether that's a Max Duggan interception, whether that is um you know, think about like Zach Evans, Oklahoma State kind of fumble or a special team score. TCU finds himself in a hole. They don't trust Max to get them out of the hole or they trust him too much. And they're only doing, you know, long goes and they're incomplete. Uh, and so I could see this very easily getting out of hand. I could very easily see this as like a 27-22 SMU win. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that maybe starts out like 14 to nothing. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. TCU claws its way back in, but not enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well... Man, that makes me feel bad. That's dark. Let's get out of I there. Know. Yeah, I, that's, yeah, yeah. let's give a prediction. I, I will say, uh, if, honestly, my read would be 31-17. to 17, a Pretty normy score, but I would say 31-17 TCU. I think would be my prediction. I like that a lot. I'm, uh, I'm taking TCU in the 30s. I'm taking TCU, given my model and given my opponent adjustments, I'm taking TCU big. I know this is dangerous, I'm taking TCU. Oh, I don't like my pick. 38, uh, 38, 17. 17 is me upgrading. My model has it 38, 11. Yeah. That seems like too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have a touchdown more than me. Okay, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm not yeah. betting on this game. Um, no, someone someone betting. asked on the on the yeah. BetUS College Football Show today, and I said, one, if you want to hear me talk about this game for an hour and a half, Purple Theory Podcast. Two, nope, staying away from it. No. Speaking of betting, Parker, uh, we're going to take a the quickest whip around of all time. I'm we're I'm going to read the lines from a certain sports book that we won't name because they're not bet us, and you and I will say which team we're taking. Okay, sound good? Okay. Yep. <clears throat> Texas Tech at Texas. Texas is favored by seven and a half. I am taking Texas. Push. I honestly don't know. I don't know. We're going to learn. Wow. But I don't know. Wow. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I'm not betting on that one. Yep. We're, we're going to learn. Okay. It's going to be interesting. Narrative buster, but I don't know. Okay. Uh, Iowa State is at Baylor. Iowa State is favored by seven. I'm taking Iowa State there. As am I. As am I. <laughs> this is the saddest sentence I've ever said. Kansas is a 16-point underdog at Duke. I'm taking Kansas. I'm technically not allowed to say what I'm taking because I'll be talking sure. about this game tomorrow on the BetUS podcast. But let me tell you, 
Uh, I like Lance Leipold a lot, and I'm very <laughs> frustrated that I'm talking about this game in person. Uh, no, ser- seriously, I think they're going to cover Duke. Duke is so bad. I don't know. Kansas is bad. so bad. I don't know, man, but I, I, I think Kansas covers here. I think so, too. Uh, Kansas State at Oklahoma State. Kansas State is ranked, but Kansas State is a six-point underdog. Folks, if you like free money, Kansas State is a six-point underdog at Oklahoma State. I don't get that at all. Yeah, this is one of those where, obviously, Vegas is going to screw me because they know what they're doing. But, man, um, yeah, I, I like Kansas State here a lot, especially with Oklahoma State has some defensive guys out, Trace Ford, Trace Sterling. I, I really like Kansas State here. I will say at this unnamed sports book, Kansas State is plus 190 to win outright. Uh, <clears throat> the TRS well, I, hold on, I need, to pull up my, I need to pull up my app real quick. I was going to say, the, the TRS retirement system provides me a lot of benefits, but I might mortgage everything I have in it for that. Uh, yeah, and then I think the final game we have, West Virginia is a 17-point underdog at Oklahoma. I don't know. I really don't. I do. I do. <laughs> Oklahoma. Um, Jared Dagey is no Adrian Martinez, which is just a really sad sentence to say all around. Um, West Virginia doesn't have that third dimension, right? They, they can, they can kind of get some intermediary throws. And if Dagey has some time, that's great. Uh, Oklahoma State's pass rush is ridiculous and they're not going to be able to weasel their way out of it like Adrian Martinez did. Uh, and then in the rut, in the run defense, I'm just not that worried about Letty Brown. Um, because I don't think West Virginia's offensive lines look very good. So 17 is a lot. I think that West uh, Oklahoma has had a couple of disappointing starts uh, to the season, and I think that they will do that. Uh, they'll take care of business. Yeah, I. part of me really wants to take West Virginia, but I think Oklahoma covers. Parker, did you know that the founder of the American Football League, the founder of Major League Soccer, and the Kansas City Chiefs went to SMU? Is that the same Lamar guy? Hunt. Lamar Hunt, same guy. What an entrepreneur. Um, Brian man. Baumgarten? Yes. Kansas, oh, yeah. uh, Kevin from The Office? Yep. Uh, Who else? I can, fratern- I can go. Oh, I haven't looked I at have any of them. My fraternity brother, Jeffrey Skilling, CEO of Enron, baby. Hell yeah. Uh, shout out Wait, to were, you in a, uh, were you in a fraternity? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I don't like to talk about it. Uh, no, no, yeah, yeah. He was a baby. Dude, no, that sounds yeah, super tight. Problem. You should talk about it more. <laughs> <laughs> shut, shut the hell up. Uh, former Libertarian <laughs> Party presidential candidate Joe Jorgensen, SMU. Now, now, no, a, uh, she got like a certification in education. She didn't get a degree from she SMU. Got an MBA. She got oh an MBA. Oh my god, Parker. There's okay. You've seen the movie Tombstone. Yeah. Powers Booth, a.k.a. Curly Bill Brocious, SMU grab. There's so many politicians. My God. Parker, there are so many cool alumni from SMU. Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians, uh, What I Am, a seminal 1990s song. She's a graduate. Uh, Bill, I'm going to mispronounce his last name, Fagerbacky, who uh, voiced Patrick Starr on SpongeBob, SMU grab. Shout out. Oh, my gosh. uh, Kathy Bates. Kathy freaking Bates. That's where I was going uh-huh. next. Yeah. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Ellis, who played the waitress on It's Always Sunny. Uh, you'll love this. Jack Ingram, great country singer. Uh, Bill Luxie. Did he drop out? Surely he dropped out. I'll he, like him less if he didn't he drop out. out. Yeah, surely yeah. he dropped out. Courtney Kardashian. Apparently. I don't believe that at all. I don't either. Uh... Steven Tobolowski, great character actor, played Action Jack Barker on Silicon Valley. It's uh, a graduate. Um, there are a lot of really cool... It kind of makes me mad how many cool people went to SMU. Jim Ursay, owner and CEO of the Indianapolis Colts. Interesting. Uh, guest appearance on Parks and Rec. Really? Did not know that. Uh, uh, Laura Bush and Hope Hicks. Without any comment, okay, both went the to SMU. Honorary, the honorary degree recipients are hilarious oh, to me. Great. George H.W. Bush, Gerald Ford, Bob Hope. They, okay, I'm going to say, hold H. on. H. Ross Perot. I know, I know, I know. They only did Gerald R. Ford because they said he was named after Gerald J. Ford. And they had to, like, correct the That's the, um, very confusing. The there. It's very confusing. Um, the last, what was the last one I had? Uh... Oh, Bryson DeChambeau sucks. I hate Bryson. 
He stinks. The Ryder Cups this weekend. We don't have to talk about golf, but I will say Payne Stewart, one of the all-time greats, SMU grad as well. Didn't Payne? Don't I'm I'm not being a dick. Payne Stewart died, had cancer. No car uh, plane crash. That's right, plane crash. I, I knew yeah. I vaguely knew really something wild, about that. Wild stuff. Was flying from like Georgia or Florida to like North. Uh, I don't know where he was flying, but everyone like um, asphyxiated on board. And the plane just kept going. It eventually crashed in North Dakota or something like that. But, you know, wild stuff. Uh, Payne That's Stewart's a legend. dark. One of the best. Damn. Yeah, it's dark. I, I'm very fascinated by plane crashes. We're deep enough into this podcast where I can say that. But, uh, yeah, Payne Stewart, all-time legend, one of the greats. Uh, Bryson is selling his legacy, and I hate him. Uh, a lot yeah. of interesting football. I mean, Eric Dickerson. Well, look, if the that. if the company that made drivers professionally just made them better, then Bryson DeChambra wouldn't have to talk That's shit about them on TV. Buddy. So... It's I'm going to get sued, 100%. I'm going to get no, sued no, no. for that. I would tell you right now, Cobra. You make a, um, former former British Prime Minister Tony Blair received the Medal of Freedom Award. Yeah. Is that an American Award or is that an SMU Award? I can't tell. I don't even know. I, I don't even so know. Margaret Thatcher. Things, things are getting weird. Um, okay. Unless you see anybody. I'm going to find one more name and then we're going to wrap this Astronaut. Up. No, no. I don't yes. know who that is. Astronautalist. I thought it was an astronaut, actually, but it's a, a hip hop artist named Astronautalist. It's less <laughs> fun. So much less, less fun. <laughs> uh, Jane Mansfield, actress, m- uh, mother of Mariska Hargitay, on a uh, SVU. There you go. In this edition of the Purple Theory Podcast, Grant and I just read the Wikipedia page for SVU. Dude, I'm telling you, dude, it's interesting. I, I would never look at this. Yeah, there's a couple of names I didn't read that I have comments on. But um, I, I, I want to read I, – I, I swear this is the last one. I want to read this. Bill Clements. Okay. You know what Bill Clements is, Parker? I've heard that name. Why have I heard that name? I'm going to be embarrassed. So -time, he was a two-time non-consecutive governor of Texas between 1979 and 1991. Weird. Okay. Kind of the um, Grover Cleveland is the exactly. move there. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Split by Mark White. Here, here is a sentence of, of his Wikipedia page. After his first gubernatorial term ended, Clements joined the administrative staff at Southern Methodist University, where he served as the chairman of the Board of Governors. While there, he presided over a massive pay-to-play system in the school's football program that resulted in catastrophic yeah. consequences for the team and the end of his political career. Hell yeah, Bill Clements. Okay, that's a misnomer because... The the system didn't cause consequences. Getting caught caused consequences. So exactly, he's yes. baller for doing it, but lame because he got caught. That's exactly right, Parker. I'm wrapping this up. This has been the Purple Theory Podcast. You can find Parker on Twitter at Stats of War. You can find me on Twitter at Great McGallier. It's spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. You can read purpletheory.substack.com. You can subscribe, like, rate, and review this podcast, which you would really appreciate. And uh, you can root for the frogs on Saturday because I would hate to lose the skillet. Parker, from my family to yours, go frogs. Go frogs. Go frogs.